This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I don't know if anyone shot Alec Murdoch. I'll repeat that statement. I don't know if anyone shot Alec Murdoch. But ever since the alleged shooting, we've watched the former prominent attorney's reputation unravel in front of us in real time. And again, the more we find out, the more disturbing it gets. My name is Mandy Matney. I'm the news director for FitzNews.com, and I've been investigating the Murdoch family for more than two years now. This is the Murdoch Murders Podcast. Two weeks after Alec Murdoch appeared injury-free at his bond hearing in a suicide-for-hire scheme, one big question remains in the made-for-Hollywood Murdoch murder saga. Was Alec Murdoch actually shot? The disgraced attorney appeared without a scratch at his Hampton County bond hearing 13 days after the alleged shooting, raising major questions about everything we heard from Murdoch's attorneys Jim Griffin and Dick Harpulian this month. Is he actually in rehab? Was he ever shot? Where did all of his money go? Did he really have a drug problem? And what are they trying to distract us from? To recap, on September 4th, 2021, which was the Saturday of Labor Day weekend, Fitz News first broke the story that Alec Murdoch was allegedly shot. Almost immediately, sources close to the situation told Fitz News that Alec's story was suspicious and not adding up. The South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, which is the same agency that is investigating nearly all of the alleged crimes associated with the Murdoch family, released a statement the day after the shooting that said that Alec's head wound was superficial. They never called him a victim. They never gave any suspect descriptions of the shooter. And they kept their statements simple, which to me was a hint that the story that the Murdoch camp was feeding the media was false. Around the same time, Alec Murdoch's lawyers, Dick Harputlian and Jim Griffin, started to embark on a week-long spin campaign in an attempt to control the narrative and make Alec appear like the victim. They repeatedly fed the media a story that did not make sense, that Alec was changing a tire on the side of a rural Hampton County road when a man drove up to him and shot him. And then things got weirder. On Labor Day, that would be two days after the alleged shooting incident, a family spokesperson released a statement saying that Alec Murdoch was going into rehab and resigning from the law firm built by his family, and that would be PMPED. The timing was interesting considering that Fitz News published a story about Murdoch's opioid addiction and issues at his law firm just hours before that statement was released. And then they issued an apology from Alec, which was also very strange considering he was supposed to be the victim of a shooting. In the statement, he said, I am immensely sorry for everyone I've hurt, including my family, friends, and colleagues. Then he asked for prayers as he rehabilitates. So keep in mind, the Murdoch camp was really pushing this opioid addict storyline hard right after the alleged shooting, which they'd never done before. On that same day, PMPED 
the law firm started by Alec's great-grandfather in 1910 released a statement to the media claiming that Alec Murdoch misappropriated millions of dollars from their law firm. They leaked that story to the New York Times as if they wanted the whole world to know. These allegations obviously raise a lot of questions about the double homicide. And for another recap, three months before the shooting, Alec Murdoch's wife and son were found murdered on the family's 1,700-acre property in Collison County, South Carolina. Now that we know that Alec was stealing money from his own law firm, and he had a hearing coming up in the boat crash lawsuit that would force him to reveal his financial situation, it's clear that Alec was facing an immense amount of pressure around the time of the double homicide. The question is whether that pressure has anything to do with the double homicide. And keep in mind, Alec Murdoch is a person of interest in that investigation. And he has been the only one that law enforcement has referred to as a person of interest in the double homicide. Okay, so we're going to go back to Labor Day weekend. On that Monday, which would be two days after the shooting, Alec was allegedly released from the hospital and entered an out-of-state rehab. So on that same week, which would still be days after the Labor Day shooting, or alleged shooting, shall I say, the South Carolina Supreme Court suspended Alec Murdoch from practicing law due to evidence of misconduct that is under investigation. The next day, which would be September 8th, 2021, a few days after the shooting, my boss, Wolf Folks at Fitz News, broke a huge story confirming the first piece of this puzzle that this alleged shooting was basically sketch. Sources close to the situation told us that police recovered the knife that slashed Alec Murdoch's tires from the alleged shooting scene, and that knife was connected to Alec Murdoch. Harpootlian and Griffin continued to serve the media spoonfuls of stories that didn't make sense. Harpootlian claimed that Alec had an entry and exit wound and was temporarily blinded in the shooting, while Griffin said that Alec's skull was fractured and his brain hemorrhaged. Murdoch's attorneys also told reporters that he was released from the hospital two days after the alleged shooting. So which is it? Was it a serious injury or was he released two days later? The injuries certainly were not the only holes poked in the stories coming from the Murdoch camp this month. They told reporters that Ellick was airlifted to MUSC in Charleston, but he was actually flown to a hospital in Savannah. He told reporters that Ellick was changing a tire on the side of the road, but the Mercedes-Benz SUV had run-flat tires that he was driving that day. They told reporters that Ellick was on his way to Charleston from Moselle, but the road what he was on was out of the way from that route. Fitznews appeared to be the only media outlet holding the lawyers to account and calling out their lies. Everybody else was just running around acting like it was a normal thing. However, the Murdoch spin campaign was abruptly thrown off course on September 10th when SLED officials arrested 61-year-old Curtis Eddie Smith. Did you know socks, tees, and underwear are the three most requested clothing items in homeless shelters? Bombas knows, and they're doing something about it. Making ridiculously comfortable versions of all three and donating one for every sold item. With all the clothing brands out there, it's nice to find some basics that don't just feel good, but do good too. 
Once you try Bombas, you'll know why so many people have purchased and donated so many. The comfort geniuses at Bombas work tirelessly to make your everyday things your favorite things. Personally, I love their running ankle socks for my morning treadmill desk walks. It's like there are little pillows under my feet. Trust me, so comfy. Ready to get comfy and give back? Head over to bombas.com slash Mandy and use code Mandy for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas, B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Mandy and use code Mandy at checkout. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Smith was hit with several serious charges, including assisted suicide, assault and battery of a high and aggravated nature, pointing and presenting a firearm, insurance fraud, and conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. In the arrest warrants, we learned that Alec Murdoch admitted to setting up a suicide scheme so his son Buster could collect a $10 million insurance policy. News of Eddie Smith's arrest broke late at night on September 10th, around 11 p.m., but just hours later, Dick Harputlian appeared on the Today Show the next morning where he continued to push this opioid narrative. Harputlian claimed that Murdoch was trying to get off opioids on the morning of September 4th and decided to end his life. He called this guy um, who met him on the side of the road, agreed to shoot him in the head, um, and uh, this fake uh, uh, car breakdown. Uh, 30 minutes later, this guy shooting him in the head. However, Eddie Smith tells a totally different story about what happened on September 4th, 2021. So who is Eddie Smith? I spoke with Eddie's attorney, Jared Bichette, who told me about his relationship with Alec Murdoch and what he was saying he was doing on September 4th, 2021. They met um, initially probably about in excess of 30 years or so ago when Eddie was participating in a either a community or a salt or a uh, church uh, softball league, and Alec was I think still in law school at the time, and was maybe home for a summer or was living in the area or something along those lines. And they played and knew each other casually then, and then subsequently uh, didn't have a lot of contact except maybe seeing each other around town and socially and that kind of thing until Mr. Murdoch represented him uh, in a. A case, I believe it was a workers' comp case, approximately seven years or so ago. Eddie was a logger for most of his life. He was in a logging business and uh, got injured uh, with his lower back, which happens, unfortunately, a good bit of times for folks that work in that area. But like I said, that was about six or seven years ago. And after that, he does what he can, sort of when he can. Uh, he do some light mechanical, light welding type stuff. He had a small shop there in the back of his house, and he would do some work for the Murdochs and for others, and he would, sometimes it would be for pay, and then sometimes it would just kind of be as a favor for people. So here, attorney Jarrett Bouchette is telling me about what his client says happened on September 4th, 2021. 
received a call from Alec Murdoch that um, asked if he could go to, I believe it was his uh, parents' house, Mr. Murdoch's parents' house, and said to bring the truck, which was the, um, he understood to mean his work truck. And that work truck made Eddie believe that, well, he was coming to do some kind of odd job. They eventually, they did not, uh, I think he was en route to the parents' house, and then they met there briefly, or he may have called him back to, redirect him and they went to Eddie followed him to another location and that's where he first encounters um, Mr. Murdoch in a, a suicidal um, very agitated state and he had a gun correct is what Eddie is that's saying correct. and Eddie and possibly threatening to kill himself and which is why Eddie reached for the gun correct uh, that's right he, he was at that time Murdoch was requesting that Eddie essentially assist him in, in shooting and wanted Eddie to shoot at that time to which he refused and the um, the state of Mr. Murdoch just continued to deteriorate and there was a struggle for the weapon that went off at some point and um, you know after that you know, very intense session they um, Eddie left the scene and Mr. Murdoch was still there with no visible signs of injury. At According that to Eddie Smith, he was not present when Alec Murdoch called 911 to report that he had been shot on Old Sakahatchee Road near Varnville, South Carolina at 1.34 p.m. on Saturday, September 4th. What's weird is that Alec was driven away from the crime scene after calling 911 and transported via car by a couple of unknown quote-unquote good Samaritans. This is weird that Alec left the crime scene. And what's even weirder is that after calling helicopter companies for hours, I figured out that a Care Flight helicopter actually was dispatched 12 minutes before the Hampton County Sheriff's Office was dispatched to the scene. Now, this timeline is super strange because the Hampton County Sheriff's Office should have been the lead law enforcement agency on scene that day when for a shooting they should have been dispatched immediately which again also raises the question was he even shot and it also raises the question why was a helicopter called when two weeks later we don't see any signs of wounds so when curtis smith was arrested in arrest warrants we learned that Alec murdoch admitted to setting up the suicide scheme so his son buster could collect a 10 million dollar insurance policy And this storyline just doesn't add up. What kind of a father would want to kill himself so his son, who just lost his mother and brother in a horrific double homicide, could collect insurance money? And why did he feel the need that he had to look like somebody was shooting him? And how come we haven't seen any evidence that he was actually shot? Another thing that doesn't add up is that while the PR team said that Eddie Smith was Alec Murdoch's known drug dealer, Bouchette rejects that statement about his client and says it doesn't even make sense. What we can tell and what we know uh, by what's been put into the public sphere already is that, uh, you know, something doesn't add up with this case. And, you know, the first thing is just the uh, narrative that's been put out there that um, Eddie was Mr. Murdoch's uh, you know, longtime drug dealer, uh, a drug dealer that apparently benefited uh, to the tune of around $10 million uh, because I believe the statement was that uh, the majority of the $10 million which had been misappropriated from the law firm had 
uh, been used to pay for this opioid addiction and by consequence uh, went to Eddie. Eddie has little to no criminal record at all over the last 20 years, nothing drug related. And so what that tells me is, you know, one of two things. Either Eddie is just the most, one of the most successful drug dealers I've ever seen in terms of evading law enforcement, or, you know, he's not a drug dealer and certainly not a drug dealer that would have been able to um, supply and benefit from the quantities, you know, that have been stated in that $10 million range. So when we, when we start with that, we know that that doesn't make any sense. The second thing is that he doesn't have any um, uh, criminal record, nothing to suggest that Eddie would be complicit in, in a scheme, and not just complicit, would be active in a scheme which would require him to shoot a fella in the head, uh, presumably kill him, um, for what doesn't appear to be any personal gain. Um, the allegations, as best I can tell, only allege that the – uh, supposed insurance proceeds would have gone to benefit Mr. Murdoch's son. Um, it, there doesn't appear to be any real allegation that there was a, an arrangement whereby Eddie would get some percentage of it. I mean, it just doesn't seem that he'd have any benefit to doing that. Um, then we look at the fact that the majority of the allegations or the substance of the allegations seem to come from um, Mr. Murdoch, who uh, was undisputedly in a serious opioid um, withdrawal or relapse or opioid episode of some kind. And so it's it's very concerning that they've placed so much credibility in his you know, version of events, which don't seem to add up just because, um, you know, within a few days of this incident, he has um, no visible signs of either an injury or of operation um to his head, and I would think even a superficial um, gunshot wound to the head, if that's even such a thing, would at least show where there had been some type of stitching or bandaging or um, you know, hair shaves to, to access the, the area. None of that seems to be the case, so it's not even clear at this point that Ms. Um, Murdoch actually suffered um, a wound to the head, and if that's, if that's not established, then the entire scheme the entire basis for the arrest starts to, to crumble and fall away. According to probable cause affidavits, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division appeared to rely a lot on Alec Murdoch's narrative for Smith's arrest. Considering the fact that Murdoch is an admitted drug addict on a downward spiral who has also shown no physical signs of ever being shot, questions should be raised about Smith's charges too. Now, two days after Smith was charged, Ellick was also charged with three felonies in this alleged suicide-for-hire scheme. In Hampton County Court that week, we watched two systems of justice play out in live action, one for people like Ellick Murdoch and one for people like Eddie Smith. So first of all, Alec Murdoch showed up without a single scratch on his head at his bond hearing in Hampton County, South Carolina, which would be his home court, where his great-grandfather, grandfather, and father all ruled as solicitor for nearly a 100 years. 
Alec didn't even bother to slap on a band-aid. His closely cropped hair provided no cover for the presence of a head wound, nor was any part of his scalp shaved, which is what we would expect in this circumstance. And this bond hearing was less than two weeks after the alleged shooting. Oh, and several hours before Alec's bond hearing, it appeared like his bond had already been set for him online in the public index, which showed a $20,000 PR bond, which means that he wouldn't have to pay for it. Now, during the bond hearing, Creighton Waters, a prosecutor at the South Carolina Attorney General's office, argued that the bond should be much higher, a $100,000 surety, which means he would actually have to pay for it, or some of it. And he argued that Ellick should be considered a danger to the community. Honor, this time uh, we would request uh, $100,000 surety as well as GPS. Uh, Your Honor, the reason for that, he has no prior record. Uh, however, while the charges here under the law are not violent, the underlying facts are violent. And they indicated uh, it was allegedly an intent to harm oneself, and that makes that person not only a danger to themselves, but that enhances the danger to the community in that regard. Uh, and it, indeed, they also However, Dick Arputlian, who is Murdoch's high-priced attorney, argued that his client is not a danger to the community, but only a danger to himself. He painted Alec Murdoch as a desperate, broke drug addict, while failing to mention how this desperate, broke drug addict could afford him as an attorney. But anyways... He asked for a low bond and argued that his client didn't have any money. And guess what the judge set Alec Murdoch's bond at? $20,000. The exact amount that was online several hours before the bond hearing. Which is not how it's supposed to work. Was there a fix-in before the bond hearing? And while the prosecutor asked for a GPS monitor... The judge denied that request also. So, while Alec Murdoch's bond was set at $20,000, Smith's, on the other hand, was set at $55,000 cash. And there's one more thing I want to mention about the bond hearing before I put it to rest. And I'm only mentioning this because it was in the media today again, and I just have to say something on my podcast that... What happened with Dick Harputlian at the bond hearing and his comment about me was not okay. For those of you who don't know, State Senator Dick Harputlian, Alec Murdoch's lawyer, checked the room at the bond hearing and looked for me. He was caught on camera doing this. So when I wasn't there for personal reasons that I will disclose in a book someday, he made an incredibly rude, sexist comment about me. Again, wall national cameras were rolling. Will folks alter sexual ego? Very possible. He may be coming out with the judge. So what you're hearing there is the media who wouldn't know the half of the story if it wasn't for me laughing with him. The media has been gobbling up Dick Harputlian's spin campaign and failing to hold him accountable for months. So it's not surprising to see this. 
But it's jarring to see across-the-board corruption from media to politics on full display. I have no idea what Dick meant by the statement that I am my boss's alter sexual ego, but I never want to hear my name come out of Dick Harpootlian's mouth along with the word sexual and my boss's name. That is disgusting and wrong. And to me, the statement implies that me, a woman, can't possibly be my own human separate from my boss, Wolf folks. And it also shows me that while Dick Harpootlian should have been preparing for his client, he is thinking about me and who is going to hold him accountable in that room. Remember, also, Dick Harpootlian is a Democrat state senator. He's an elected official who has a lot of power in South Carolina, including his influence that the media often ignores his role in the selection of judges in our state. He has not apologized to me for his sexist comments and appears like he thinks he doesn't have to. He has not earned the grace that the media constantly is giving him in this case, but he's highly quotable and entertaining to some of the media who would rather share a laugh with him than hold his feet to fire, as they should be doing. It is no wonder our state is in shambles when we have reporters who will not hold the most powerful people in our state to account. I totally understand that I am not the victim in this story. I speak with the actual victims in the saga almost daily. And if any person in that crowd knew the victims like I did and knew their pain, they would not be laughing with Dick Harpootlian. But this good old boy behavior must be called out. Otherwise, they're just going to keep good old boying. I made a big deal about the media covering this case because it's our job to expose those contributing to the system that is failing so many people. But yet, this Sunday, October 3rd, the state newspaper, one of the largest newspapers in South Carolina, published a fanboy puff piece about the two quote-unquote bulldog attorneys, Jim Griffin and Dick Harpootlian. The piece was written by an old-school journalist named John Monk, and it basically praises the two attorneys while briefly mentioning this awkward comment and not mentioning that it's sexist and wrong. While they will do puff pieces like that, I will continue to expose the truth in this case wherever it leads. And while Alex might have gotten off easy in court this month, his battle with the law is far from over, both in the criminal and civil side of court. There are six criminal investigations related to the Murdoch family right now. And my boss, Will Folks at FitzNews.com, and I will not rest until we get answers for each of them. So stay tuned to FitzNews.com for the latest updates in this story. That's FITSNews.com. A special thank you to the Surge Restaurant Group for their gift certificate to Nectar Farm Kitchen. Following the story is hard, but being able to enjoy the most amazing meal at Nectar Farm Kitchen on Hilton Head Island was simply divine. I can't wait for Nectar Farm Kitchen to open in Bluffton this winter. Check out NectarFarmKitchen.com to learn more. Stay tuned to the Murdoch Murders podcast. And as always, check out fitsnews.com. That's F I T S news.com for the latest updates in this insane saga.
There's so much to unpack in this case, and Mandy works tirelessly to expose the truth. But the truth is, she works hard, and she does get tired. If you believe, like I do, that Mandy is the best in the business, and I'm a little biased, visit MurdochMurdersPodcast.com and click the Support the Show link to learn how you can help. Leave a five-star review to offset the haters. Refer an advertiser and get a finder's fee. Or advertise your company, product, or service. We can geotarget across the globe and find the right audience to suit your needs. Help us get Luna some treats so she doesn't interrupt the show as much. And absolutely subscribe to FitzNews.com. Mandy and Will are revolutionizing journalism, and your subscriptions are invaluable to that mission. Plus, you get awesome content every day. Or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Mandy, M-A-N-D-Y, Matney, M-A-T-N-E-Y. And don't forget to leave a five-star review, unless you're going to be nasty and talk about my vocal fry. The Murdoch Murders podcast is created by me, Mandy Matney, and my fiancé, David Moses. Produced by Luna Shark Productions. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.